Welcome back to the program. Every day, most of us battle our own demons. Those demons often prevent us from doing perhaps the hardest thing there is, that is initiating and adapting to personal change. With the new year, I'm sure we've all made resolutions. By now, most or at least some of them have long been forgotten. Change is hard. Personal change is even harder. One wonders how anyone does it. Perhaps we can do it by virtue of a kind of personal jujitsu that manipulates the force of our resistance to change against itself, rather than confronting it with sheer force of will. And what if we did this in small, incremental steps? It just might be that in that situation, resistance is futile and success will follow. We're going to talk about this today with my guest, Carolyn Arnold. Carolyn has been a leading technology leader on Wall Street for more than a decade. She received the Wall Street and Technology Award for Innovation for Building the Auction System for the Google IPO. And she now serves as a managing director of a leading Wall Street investment bank. It is my pleasure to welcome Carolyn Arnold to the program to talk about her new book, Small Move, Big Change, Using Micro-Solutions to Transform Your Life Permanently. Carolyn Arnold, thanks so much for joining us. Jeff, thanks for having me. Delight to have you here. I think the first thing we should really talk about is the degree to which personal change is so difficult under any circumstances, and to make the kind of big changes that people often set out to do in their New Year's resolutions or when they rethink their life is even more difficult. You know, that's absolutely right. Um, Really, 90% of people fail at their New Year's resolution. Um, Even very high achievers who succeed in many other areas of their life fail at personal change for themselves. And I think most of us, when we fail at that New Year's resolution that we come at with so much enthusiasm and inspiration and determination at the beginning of the year, and then you feel that kind of familiar feeling about six weeks in or even four weeks in where you feel like you're not going to make it again, we have a tendency to berate ourselves and feel that we're somehow of weak character. Uh, We just weren't strong enough. When in fact, willpower, um, science tells us now, is not a function of character. It's a neurological resource and it's limited. Um, Not only is your willpower limited so that the more you draw on it, the faster it gives out, but it shares a space uh, neurologically with other mental activities that are very important, decision-making, active initiative, and problem-solving. So there's this limited pool for all those things. So when you think about yourself all day long at work, you know, exercising your active initiative and decision-making, you're depleting the same sort of mental resource that willpower's in. Nobody wakes up and breaks a diet. They, they break a diet later in the day when they're more depleted. And so the trick with personal change, as you alluded to in your introduction, is how can you affect a change that you have enough willpower to sustain forever? Um, you spoke about the resistance to change, and um, you nailed that, too, because we all have a, a, a sort of personal autopilot that runs our lives. Um, it's all your habits and behaviors and attitudes, even your preferences are sort of baked in to this autopilot that manages things for you. And that's great because it manages so much of your life that you get to save that special neurological resource for all the kind of hard thinking you have to do for something else. You don't have to think to tie your shoes. You know, autopilot ties your shoes for you. You don't have to uh, lock the door or think about how to do that. If you grew up making your bed, you don't think about how to do that. I mean, you turn around and your bed is made. You're not even sure really, oh, when did that happen? Because it's 
automatic. But that same autom- automaticity that can be so helpful in kind of managing your life efficiently and quietly, the reason it's efficient is it's, it resists change. It wants to do everything the same way every day because that's what's efficient and that's what it's drilled itself to do. So when you make a giant resolution like to be organized, you know, to be organized is almost more like a wish than it is <laughs> a resolution, right? I'm going to wake up and be organized. No, you're not. If you're disorganized today, you're going to fight that autopilot every step of the day. Every time you touch a piece of paper, you're going to yell at yourself, be organized. If you open a kitchen drawer, you know, be organized. And if that just exhausts your willpower fast. So between the battle between your autopilot and your willpower, nearly always autopilot wins. And the key then is really twofold. One, to make those changes, to create those changes in ways that they become part of the autopilot, number one. Right. And two, to look at the broader multiplier effect that it has psychologically once you've had some success. Well, you absolutely got that right. Yeah, the trick is what you want to do is zero in on an absolutely precise behavioral change that you have enough willpower to sustain for around four to six weeks when it starts to work itself into autopilot. So let's, let's go back to make the bed. If, you're, if your resolution was to be neat and you're not neat in a hundred different ways, pick one. And then what you do is that is such a narrow and specific and measurable goal. There's no mystery about it. There's no wishing about it. It's not a someday I'll be neat thing. It's a today I'll make my bed thing. And it's so reasonable that you won't back away from it. You know, it's not the kind of thing you throw up your hands and say, gee, it's just too hard. I just can't do it. Yeah, you can do that. And you just drill it until it doesn't require willpower anymore because you've done it so many times. To your point, when you become neater in one aspect and you accept this is what I'm getting for my effort, I'm going to have a made bed for the rest of my life, most every day, it does change your mindset. Doing things differently changes your perspective. What's wrong with the New Year's resolution is we try to be somebody different the next day, and by saying we're going to be this neat person, we think we can drive our behaviors into line. In fact, if you pick away at the behaviors underneath, pretty soon there is, as you said, a kind of domino effect where you get used to seeing your bed neat, you get a taste for more order. Um, I taught myself to hang up my coat when I get home just by sending myself the message. I didn't even say I had to hang it up. I sent myself one of these micro-resolution messages, which was just, it's really just as fast to hang it up. It's really just as fast to hang it up. And over time, I started hanging up my coat, and then I started hanging up the clothes that I always had on a chair in my bedroom. It's not too far from it's really just as fast to hang it up and experiencing that to it's really just as fast to file it. So it's not an overnight thing, but each one of these new behaviors that you get into autopilot becomes a model for other good behaviors. And it does sort of snowball so that there's things that you're doing deliberately, but other things that are happening that you don't have to do deliberately that happen um, on the margin of that. The other positive aspect inside of that is the magical moment that seems to happen once you realize that you have succeeded in putting some new behavior on autopilot, you've done what it is you said you were going to do, that it creates this happiness about the success of that, which drives other action. That is a great point, and so true. The, the gratification 
of changing yourself and realizing, oh my God, I'm changed. I'm more organized or um, I'm eating less crap or I'm uh, fitter. I did these things. And that you can make a contract with yourself that you can keep every time. That's what a micro-resolution is. It reforms a specific behavior, but it's a con- it's, it's the first rule of micro-resolutions is it's easy. It's absolutely doable. So there's no excuses. You're going to do it. And it's in tremendously empowering. And everybody, it's like this, you know, changing and self-improving is a human desire. And it's what keeps us young. You know, children change very fast. Youthful people are very adaptable. It's when people get older that they have this kind of stiffness or insistence on doing things the way they always have done them. So if you can kind of keep that freshness for yourself of entering a kind of state of continuous self-improvement, not that stop and start with the new year. I make a big, big push and, you know, I have a collapse and then I regather my forces and I make a big push again. But just that you're always working on a couple of behavioral changes at the same time because two is really a lot. That's enough willpower uh, at a time. But to say, oh, well, two is going to be too slow. Really, at about four weeks each or five weeks each to kind of bed these down, you can change your behavior, 20 behaviors this year, and that is huge. Um, One of the tenets of behavioral science is um, most of the time what we do is what we do most of the time. Every once in a while, we do something new. Doing something new is a big deal. Teaching yourself, there's no such thing as a small behavior change. That's what I found out. It has a profound practical effect on your life and psychological effect on your life. The benefits are really enormous, and that feeling that I have the power, I am in control, um, that itself, as you say, brings a lot of happiness and confidence um, and feeling of accomplishment. How much of this is affected today, do you think, by the complexity of modern life, that both in our personal realm and in our work realm, oftentimes we're constantly on that treadmill and we don't really, there's no conclusion. We don't always accomplish something because there's always something else and that these small things provide a way to, to feel accomplished, as you say. Yes, that's, we, we all live these very, very crowded, busy lives. Um, all the technology advances and everything are just great for productivity, but what it really means is we're doing more every day than we've ever done before and in smaller and smaller snippets. In some ways, the micro-resolution, which is what small move big change is about, how to make one and be successful with them, is very much in tune with today's world. I mean, if you think about it, we live in the world of the small and the powerful, uh, microchips, you know, if you think of an iPod, uh, nanotechnology is revolutionizing medicine, uh, microfinancing is eliminating poverty, really critical communications come in tweets during a revolution. And all of these uh, technology, uh, uh, you know, uh, tools are very, very targeted. They just have one purpose, they hit that purpose, they fill that need, and it's the same thing with the micro-resolution. To your point about the crowded day as well, micro-resolutions are great for trying to figure out where to keep your focus. I've made a number of them um, at work that help me uh, remain more productive. So I think 
something that everybody has grappled with is, you know, they get caught up in email all day long. <clears throat> this would happen to me. At the end of the day, I would have been busy all day. But when I then sort of reflect on the most important things I had to get done, sometimes they hadn't gotten done because I sort of fell into, you know, the pattern of immediately responding to email. So I changed my behavior to always, I have, I have a list of my top priorities, but I didn't always check it. I kept a list. And I just made a micro-resolution that before I, if I'm sitting at my desk, before I check my email, first I look at my list. Before I check my email, I look at my list. And that had a huge effect because I'd see something on the list like, oh, yeah, I'm not even going to read my email right now. I'm going to make this call right now, get this done. Um, another person in the book, because the book is full of stories of people who made micro-resolutions that had an outsized impact on their personal or professional life. Another person who's actually a lawyer in San Francisco um, and, and I think people think of this person as a very tough and ferocious lawyer. She's really good at her job. She said every day on her list there was a call she didn't want to make, and she called it the scary call because it was a call that was either going to be confrontational or bring unhappiness to another person. And all day long this call would hang over her head, mm -hmm. and her micro-resolution was to always make the scary call first. And it was really hard. And she forced herself to do it, but she said her productivity just exploded because she was able to get the things she feared out of the way, and then she was flying the rest of the day. And the fact that she was only trying to change this one behavior she had of procrastinating in this one particular way, again, it doesn't work, I don't think, to say, I will not procrastinate. Procrastinating is huge. It touches a lot of things. You have to pick something and nail that, and then you'll do better that way. So in this world we live in that's so busy and crowded and crazy, you can figure out how to disrupt your autopilot in a certain way, that autopilot that, for instance, wants to skip the scary call or jump right into email, and tune your autopilot to do things in a different order, in a different way that will keep you from being so overwhelmed all day. And the danger is, I mean, procrastination, as you say, touches on a lot of things. It goes to, to the heart of a lot of these issues because it's easy to get sidetracked into thinking that you're changing habits because if you want to procrastinate about something, well, I'll clean my desk first or I'll do the emails first or sure. I'll do this first. So you think you're accomplishing something, but you're really making the situation worse. Right. I, you know, it is, you know, we all want to be in the flow. That is what autopilot is. You know, you're in the flow. When you change your behavior in any way, it's disturbing. I'm here to tell you that whatever you decide to change, no matter how small it is, is going to bug you when you do it. You won't want to do it. You'll feel tremendous resistance to making a shift in behavior. And it will. it's stressful. It's stressful to fiddle with that autopilot. It's not like turning the autopilot off in a car and you take back control. It's stressful. So you need to be able to press through. But you get something really, really good for your effort, and you do get that... Um, that huge list of saying, hey, I changed this, what am I going to change next? Um, and that can really lead to a lot of productivity enhancement. Have you found for people that it becomes easier after they've done a few of these? I think what becomes easier is you have you've had a success or multiple successes. So you've gone through the whole life cycle of sort of isolating the behavior change, figuring out how to identify the pivotal behavioral change that's going to make a difference, you get used to that feeling of awkwardness and weirdness of doing something different. You recognize, oh, now it's starting to feel more natural. And pretty soon, it's on its way to autopilot. So you do change because you have had a different experience of change. You've been successful. You've gone through all the phases. 
where most of us, when it comes to the New Year's resolution, are just familiar with the beginning phase, you know, the phase of excite, excitement, of kind of shaking ourselves up and taking ourselves in hand and being another person tomorrow and the kind of high you have for a couple of weeks where it seems really easy and you're doing it because you just have so much, such a headwind of willpower. And then the other part we know is the part where you sort of feel it petering out and you feel that kind of despair as you sort of give over and give in and tell yourself that it was just bad timing and you'll do it later. By being successful again and again, you teach yourself to be successful at personal change. You get used to that feeling of having something a little bit different every day and you get to like it because you you realize I'm I'm I've been here before, I can do it. Just like anything on a job. People who do their first really, you know, they're on a project, they don't know how they're gonna get through it, um, and finally they kind of get into the rhythm of what a project feels like, it's ups and downs, how you can kind of feel when you're kind of coming into the final stretch. They get a patterning for that so that they don't get upset or freak out or, you know, short circuit during it because they've They've, they've been there before. Micro-resolutions are fundamentally about experiencing something differently and, be, and, and affecting a change in who we are through experience, not just by saying, you know, by, by summer I'll be slim on the beach. That's kind of a self that doesn't exist now. I'm hoping it's going to exist later. It's a someday kind of thing, and you're always putting this distance between you and the person you want to be. In a micro-resolution, you start with who you are, and you make these shifts, and you'd be surprised how these shifts um, ultimately do get you to a new place. But you're sort of in control of that. Part of the irony is that one of the other habits that we often develop is the habits by which we rationalize failure of these larger efforts. Oh, yes, <laughs> that's really true. You know, if it hadn't been for this kind of thing, or I got sick in the middle of this, or I got this huge work assignment when I was trying to diet, and I was so tired I had to eat, and, you know, there are, there's always a good reason, certainly there's, a, there's always a good reason to give up, especially on those big, big resolutions, which are pretty much designed to fail. Every once in a while, someone succeeds at one of those giant resolutions, um, and, but it's very rare. And, and very often, it's a result of something bad happening, like you get dumped by your partner and all of a sudden you really are at the gym every day. Or, you know, your doctor tells you, you know, you've got to change your diet, you have some sort of health scare, or your boss says, you know, you're so disorganized that you clean up your desk immediately and you just make organization your focus. But it's rare. Instead, you know, this business of change being a part of life and to actually sort of shape your life through these changes, um, they all seem small. But I, I lost 22 pounds after four years of, of trying to lose weight. I lost 22 pounds doing just shifting my eating behavior, one eating behavior at a time. I'm the fittest I've ever been. I, uh, when I started this, I couldn't do 11 sit-ups. I walk uh, a mile and a half every day to work. I do Pilates several times a week. And my, I have better relationships. Things are better. Nothing is perfect. You know, I don't think that self-improvement shouldn't be about perfection. It's really about priorities. What is the thing I want to shift now so my life is better today? And to trust that by shifting things always in a positive direction you're going to get to where you want to go. People do not, it really is, Jeff, it's all, personal improvement is really happening at the margin. This is kind of what I discovered for myself, that all my other efforts were sort of about taking a hard run at the red-hot core of change and trying to get there. But in fact, people don't wake up 15 pounds overweight, right? That probably happened over 
five, ten years. People don't wake up enormously in debt. They don't wake up with a sour relationship if their relationship was healthy the day before. You get there by degrees. And if you work the margin in a positive direction, you can really, really make your life much more satisfying to you and you can be much happier with who you are and where you are because you know that you're in control of it and you're moving in the right direction all the time. Carolyn Arnold, the book is Small Move, Big Change, Using Micro Solutions to Transform Your Life Permanently. Carolyn, I thank you so much for spending time with us. Thank you so much, Jeff, and thanks for your unbelievably thoughtful questions. They were just great. Thank you. We'll take a break. I'll be right back.